Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. On today's program, our guest is going to be Michael Spath. He is the host of Inside the Huddle on WTKA Radio in Ann Arbor. We'll talk spring football and more, but first a few of my thoughts to get us started. Four-quarter live contact spring games seem to be a thing of the past, for most teams, that is. I think we're getting used to the spring scrimmage concept, which is what we've seen instead of a real game around here for a long time now. It was a beautiful evening for the scrimmage Saturday, with around 15,000 fans in attendance. We were hoping to see some of the newly installed offense, and I think we really did. Other than that, though, it was a few hours of drills and some very competitive scrimmage action, but it was just good to have football back, if for only one evening. My guest today would still like to see a real game. He thinks the fans deserve it, but he still enjoyed what we got on Saturday night in the big house. Michael Spath, host of Inside the Huddle on WTKA Ann Arbor, joins me next here on The Michigan Man in partnership with SB Nation's Maze in Brook. Here with us on our game day segment this week is uh, the host of Inside the Huddle on WTKA Ann Arbor, Michael Spath. Michael, great to have you back once again. Thanks for having me. It's been uh, it's been a little bit of a minute here since uh, I think we did this the last time. Um, so I really appreciate it. you guys have always had a you've always had a great podcast, and I think people really appreciate it. Uh, you're on the forefront of of podcasting, and so it's one of the most well established and very well done one. Well, thank you very much, Michael. Appreciate the kind words, uh, and it's uh, again wonderful to have you back. And you, as our listeners know, you do such a great job inside the huddle and uh, WTKA. How many years has uh, the show been on now? Uh, this will be our fourth football season. Well, very good. So uh, I know our listeners are very familiar with you, and I would like to uh, get your take on uh, what's going on with Michigan football, which of course was in the uh, the forefront again. Over the weekend, really the last couple of weeks, we had the uh, the spring scrimmage on Saturday. A lot of our Michigan fans and listeners were very anxious to see some some of the new Josh Gaddis offense, and I'm sure we didn't see a lot. But did you like what you saw? You know, I really did, and I was really impressed because um, I went into the spring, you know, open practice controlled scrimmage, really not expecting to see uh, very much at all. And early on, if you were watching Mike, mm-hmm. uh, if you were there, the first few minutes they ran a couple uh, in their scrimmage. They ran a couple plays and they like didn't tackle. And I kind of rolled my eyes and I was sitting next to some guys in the press box and they're like, "Oh my God, are you kidding me? You've got fifteen thousand people here, <laughs> and you're going to do like two hand touch uh, to, to to consider tackles." And then that last about five minutes, and after that, like they really got going they they tackled they didn't you know, obviously the quarterbacks were uh were not live but everything else was and um they showcased more of the offense than i was expecting to see i mean the thing that was probably the most promising uh is that they used the middle of the field and you know they threw crossing routes to ronnie bell and mike sandra still and uh Tariq black um they got those guys involved uh in situations where they can use their speed and athleticism in one-on-one matchups, and that's something that Michigan does not do or has not done a great job of um, in the past. And 
you know, you look at Nico Collins and you look at Donovan Peoples-Jones and you've got these uh, two, um, you know, borderline uh, first-round draft picks in the future here. And uh, how many times did Michigan really use them across the middle of the field um, where they held that, you know, that's the hardest part to cover because you, uh, even though you have some help, you're trailing, you don't have the sideline as your friend, um, and Michigan is largely ignored uh, between the hash marks. And on Saturday, they most certainly did not. Um, it led to, you know, a couple of their touchdowns, uh, led to most of their big plays. Uh, Shea Patterson looked comfortable throwing across the middle. Um, so all really good things, and it certainly should be exciting for Michigan fans if that was even a you know a sliver of what we can see out of Josh Gaddis's offense. No, I agree. I liked what we saw. I think we saw more than I had anticipated. And if we learned anything this spring, it's that, that the players really like the changes. They like what Josh Gaddis has installed, and it's great to hear. They're very, very uh, positive about this offense. There are things that came out, former players, uh, you know, I think Wilton State was mm-hmm. the best example of it a couple of weeks back, talking at a Michigan Pro Day. And, you know, he kind of said he's really excited to see Michigan take the handcuffs off of Shea Patterson. And it's a term that, you know, to have a former player validate what a lot of the fans in the media have been saying, uh, that Michigan has been its own worst enemy when it comes to its offensive uh, performance, that the coaches have held these guys back. And here's a former quarterback um, who knows this all too well, that there's other opportunities in the game. And so, you know, for him to say that, and then you started hearing more and more guys talk about, um, you know, this is the type of football that maybe they grew up with in, in their high school. Maybe this is the type of football that uh, they watched. Uh, they, they watch Oklahoma and they watch Alabama and they watch Clemson. And they watch all these other teams play, you know, Penn State and, and for Shea Patterson, this is the type of offense that he flourished in um, in a limited capacity at Ole Miss. You know, he came to Michigan, and, and they incorporated some of what he did well. Uh, they used the, the read option a little bit last year. Um, but they really made him, you know, a passer that threw to the sidelines, and that's not uh, one of his strengths. Um, and so, no, I think there's a lot of optimism from the current players and, and certainly from the, the current coaches. And uh, on Saturday, the fans finally got a chance to see what everybody was talking about and reason to be optimistic uh, for these next couple of months. In the pregame on the radio side, Jim Branstadter asked Jim if Josh Gaddis really had the keys to the offense. And Jim laughed and he said, yeah, he does. And, and I think some of the fans are still saying, well, we'll wait and see this fall how it really rolls out. But this is such a huge shift in philosophy and practice for Jim Harbaugh uh, that, it, that it really is still to me is amazing he did this. Yeah, you know, and, and I've heard that he's a little uh, tired of the question you know, will Josh Gaddis have the, have the full capacity? And yet, I mean, anybody that's followed this program these last four years can understand why that question gets asked over and over again. Because Jim has had other offensive coordinators, Jeff Fish, uh, Tim Drevno, Pep Hamilton, you know, a little bit of Ed Warner. And it's seemingly, um, even if those guys have brought other ideas, it's always been Jim Harbaugh's offense. And so, uh, I don't think he, you know, uh, I, I don't think it's a it's an unfair question to continue to ask. And you're right until um, until we see it to believe it type of thing in a fourth quarter of you know on the road at Wisconsin, the offense is scuffling a little bit. Uh, I guess we'll see. But in terms of your question, um, it's a gigantic departure. Uh, you know, this is this is a little bit of when he had Colin Kaepernick and he did some different things, but he was still always based 
uh, even the San Francisco glory days on a power running game. I mean, Stanford was a power running game with play action that Andrew Luck perfected. Um, He has run the same type of offense, uh, the same type of philosophy his entire career. And for him to essentially say, well, we've got to keep up with the Joneses a little bit here. We need to run uh, more spread. We need to be, you know, no huddle. We need to be looking over the sideline. We need to be doing all these different things. This is, this is as big of a 180 of what uh, Jim Harbaugh philosophy is, is that, as I could picture, I really don't know what else um, would be a, a bigger change. Maybe if he decided to, you know, do, uh, you know, get rid of the, the winged helmet. I mean, it's how big of a deal this is for Jim Harbaugh right now. A lot of people think he's very inflexible, but to me, this shows he's willing to do whatever it takes and take the pieces he has and maybe, maybe put together an offense that better fits those folks like Shea Patterson. I mean, again, we just saw a snippet of on Saturday of what we're going to see in the fall. But he looked very much at home in that offense, didn't he? I thought so. I mean, I, you know, I've heard a couple of people talk about is there a quarterback controversy brewing. I, I think that's just to make for clicks. Um, you know, I've heard some people say, well, Joe Milton looked better in the offense, which I didn't I didn't agree with at all. Um, you know, I thought he looked really comfortable. Uh, you know, they were, there were a couple of times where I think he took maybe two or three sacks. At least on one of the occasions, I'm confident he would have gotten away from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he threw the ball. He threw the ball with, uh, you know, with authority. Um, you know, he had a couple of overthrows, but not to the extent where you're going, God, he doesn't understand this offense. He's he's just not on the same page with these wide receivers. So I thought he I thought he looked good. I thought he looked uh, like an incumbent starter is supposed to look. And then it's all about the other guys chasing after him. And and you know, today step up their game and, and star. I mean, it's a little bit, you know, you want to compare it to um, any sport, but, hey, let's take golf since golf is in the news mm-hmm. uh, right now. And there's a guy that can play, uh, if you play par golf, if you were Francisco Molinari and you played par golf uh, the entire Masters, you would have been in a really good spot, and then you would try to let everybody else chase after you, and they're the ones that have to do the aggressive and daring things. And I thought we kind of saw that a little bit uh, on Saturday. Shade just playing a really solid game and kind of everybody else chasing after him um, and seeing what, you know, what they could do. And I, I liked what I saw of Dylan McCaffrey. I really liked what I saw. Uh, I really liked what I saw of Dylan McCaffrey. I liked what I saw of Joe Milton. But this is this is still Patterson's job. I think we're in such great shape, though, in the quarterback room with McCaffrey and Milton. I guess the one question I still have after spring is, you know, Brandon Peters is still on the team for now. I think he, he, he possibly is graduating in May. Do you see him sticking around, Michael? Um, no, absolutely not. I mean, I don't think uh, he is supposed to graduate, um, whether it's this April, this May, uh, or um, you know, shortly thereafter. He's, he has enough credits, uh, and I don't, I, I don't anticipate there being a spot for him uh, next season. And you know, some of the rumors are Purdue, you know, Indiana going back to. Uh, the area where he's from, Ball State. Um, he's from Indiana. Uh, you know, going going somewhere like that, and wish the kid the, the best of luck. Mm-hmm. I mean, for a short little you know spell, uh, he he looked like he could be the guy for Michigan. Um, it just was too big too big of a stage probably for him. Other guys arrived and they were ready to seize it. Uh, but uh, certainly, you know, the kid did his best to help Michigan in a in a gap period and. 
if he had a better supporting cast, you know, who knows what, what ends up happening. But, uh, yeah, wish the kid wish the kid well, and uh, certainly I don't expect to see him on the roster next fall. The running back position, Michael, we know all spring we've been very short-staffed. I think uh, on Saturday there were two scholarship running backs uh, that we saw play and, and some walk-ons. Did you see anything you like uh, from the running back position Saturday? It was hard to gauge. That was probably the one position that you couldn't get a great read on because they, you know, even though they were tackling, they weren't. It was kind of like once they got into the hole, if there was a lot of bodies around, they they kind of blew the whistle dead. Um, as you mentioned, there were only two uh, running backs we really saw, uh, True Wilson um, and Ben Van Sumeren. I thought Ben Van Sumeren looked like a more natural ball carrier than I was expecting. Um, and here's a guy who, you know, last year was at 245 pounds. And I've seen his film, and, uh, you know, when you watch him, um, it's not quite Mike Allstott, but you're you're watching a guy and you're going, okay, I mean, he's going to be someone you can throw in there for three to four carries. He reminded me a little bit of Siona Huma, who, who I thought should have gotten the ball a little bit more uh, back in 2015, but someone that was a, you know, a straight line uh, and physical with lower to shoulder type of guy. Um, that's what I saw on film from Ben Van Schumeren. Well, on Saturday, you know, we saw him have some pretty good vision, read the hole really well, read the cutback lanes, uh, get up field. I, I think if Michigan finds themselves in a position uh, where, you know, they're, they're banged up, he's a really good option. And honestly, with, um, with, with Christian Turner and Zach Charbonnet out most of this spring, uh, I think Ben Van Sumeren, if I was going in the fall right now, I would definitely put him number two on the depth chart, uh, even with those guys coming back, because I think he, he really has showcased uh, that he could be um, someone they, they count on. I don't know if he's a number one back, but he certainly looks like he could be a number two back. Any surprises to you, any of these young players that you came away and said, hey, uh, we've got maybe a little more here than I thought? Well, the one that everybody's talking about is the freshman wide receiver, Mike Sanders, still mm-hmm. in the early early. And I, I'm I'm honestly, you, you have listened to me enough, Mike, you, you know I'm really hesitant when people talk about freshmen coming in and making an impact. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of talk when Michigan got Dex and Hill that, oh, you can just pencil him in as the starter next year. And I kind of rolled my eyes at that. I mean, I look at, you know, Jameric Woods uh, was back there on Saturday, and Brad Hawkins looked pretty good on Saturday. And I would I would honestly bet that Daxton Hill, um, I would bet more likely that he doesn't start a game than he starts, like, four games this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm really hesitant. And even Zach Charbonnet, you know, this idea that he's the starting running back because he enrolled early and he's a great he's a great prop. Uh, I don't buy that. But the Mike Sanders still stuff is what we heard over and over again from uh, from Harbaugh, from from uh, Gaddis, uh, from players. And we got to look at it on at the spring scrimmage. And I'll say this is they used him a lot. They used him in a way that reminded me a little bit of, of J.U. Chasson in 2015. He got jet sweeps. Uh, they threw him to the ball across the middle. They threw the ball downfield it seems like he's pretty active. Like they, they know that they have a weapon here and they're going to put him in a position uh, to be successful. As I think maybe Doug Karsh said this on the radio broadcast, um, that he has not remembered a freshman with this much hype since Steve Breston. Uh, and if that's the case, I mean, Steve Breston, uh, as a redshirt freshman in 2003, uh, was someone that, you know, I don't have the exact numbers for front of me, but had about 40 catches, uh, return punts, return kicks, uh, ran the ball probably 30 or 40 times during the season and was really a, a do-everything do type of player for Michigan. And so I, I see it a little bit. 
Um, I don't want to put crazy expectations on this young man, uh, but certainly it appears that um, you know the, he, he might be the real deal. Well, Don Brown's defense, as we know, Michael, has to replace some key pieces, uh, some very key pieces, and we didn't see much on Saturday, I don't think, from the defense. But for certain, Don Brown does not seem worried in the least, does he? No, he does not. And when I watched, when I watched the game on Saturday, the defensive line, the starting four, I thought Aiden Hutchinson and Quiddy Pay, Donovan Jeter, and uh, and Carlo Kemp looked pretty good. Um, I thought the linebackers, you know, I, I still don't, I'm still not a huge fan of Devin Gill, um, but you know, he's a senior, he's going to lend some experience there. I thought Cleek Hudson looked good. Uh, I thought Cam McGrone and Jordan Anthony were competing that uh, one of those inside linebacker spots. I thought they both looked really good. You know, the depth at that linebacker spot, uh, after you, you lose Devin Bush, uh, you're kind of thinking, you know, you lose one of your one of your all-time, you know, greats at that spot. But we didn't see Josh Ross who was banged up. And so but between Josh Ross, between Devin Gill, between Cam McGrone, between Jordan Anthony, um, that's a really solid four players competing at the inside linebacker spot. And so I feel pretty good about that. Uh, the secondary, you know, the secondary had a hard time on Saturday, but I think part of that is um, – I think part of that is, you know, they're just not they're not running at 100%. Uh, they're probably, you know, Josh Metellus a couple of different times would would let up when he was going to when there was a play in front of him, and so I don't think they were running at 100, per, you know, 100 mm-hmm. miles per hour. Um, and when you're in the secondary and you're not you're not being as physical and you're not hitting guys, I, you know, that allows for guys to get behind you, which we saw a couple of times. Um, but the one position group that has been consistently strong for Michigan year after year after year, and you look at the great cornerbacks they've had, is in the secondary. Uh, and Daxon Hill arriving, and um, you know they Lavert Hill was was out with an injury, so they'll get him back. So I feel pretty good about the the defense, um, and I feel actually you know pretty good about the the linebacker and the secondary depth. Still don't know about the defensive line depth. Um, that's about probably my only area of concern. Uh, but, no, I think they're going to be a solid unit to probably be top 30 in college football. They probably won't be the top five that they've been the last couple of years. Uh, but that should be countered with a, with an offense that should be a top 30 offense this year. The last few years of these spring games, Michael, they have really changed, uh, really in the last 10 years or so. And not just for us, but really across the country in college football. I think the days of uh, a full-contact, four-quarter scrimmage or game they really seem to be a thing of the past now, don't they? I, I think so. I, I didn't see all the spring games on uh, Saturday. I know there are quite a few of them. Uh, Notre Dame played in Ohio State and Nebraska. and uh, Yeah, it's – I don't know. I really think it depends on where you are. Uh, I think there's some people that treat it with the revelry of a kind of like a 13th game um, in a season or a eighth home game in a season uh, and really build up to, to be something. I think there's some places that don't. Michigan – has traditionally not treated it like a full-on game. Uh, Jim Harbaugh hasn't treated it like a full-on game. Uh, you know, Brady Hoke didn't. Rich Rodriguez didn't. Uh, I honestly think that they should. I think that, it, you know, this point in the year when you're, uh, you know, three and a half months removed from the last season, you've got four months to go until the next season. You've got a fan base that, you know, wants to be excited, that you're – uh, you know, you're trying to build some momentum. I think they should treat it as a, as a full-on game, especially since the fact that here's the one thing 
because I hear people say this all the time. Well, you know, they, they don't want to risk injuries or why would they, you know, if they've got guys hurt, uh, it, it's silly to do it for a meaningless. But they scrimmage two to three times full contact in the spring, just like they do in the fall because the coaches need to see what they've got. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to do it two to three times in the spring behind closed doors, you should just do one of those in front of the fans. That's how I feel about it. Well, the last few years, Michael, we've heard this is a pivotal year or turning point year for the Jim Harbaugh era. Um, And again, before each season, we've heard that. It's year five. Uh, Most of the big games are at home. There are still plenty of tough ones on the road. In your opinion, how big is this season of Michigan football for Jim Harbaugh? Well, I keep on saying this. I I think at some point you're going to you're losing more and more fans every year. Um, At least you're losing fans that are in your corner. Uh, if you don't win a, if you don't beat Ohio State, you don't win a Big Ten title. And you know, coming off a of year three where they had some you know major issues at quarterback and they were reloading, uh, they're the rebuilding. Not a lot of people were, in hindsight, were as ticked off about 2017 as they thought they were. Uh, but then 2018, year four, you know, you had this five-star quarterback. You had one of the top five defenses in college football. You had some emerging breakout standouts at uh, wide receiver. You had a senior running back. You had a very good offensive line. You know, when you went out there and got punked by Ohio State, uh, and really I don't even care about the bowl game, but getting punked by Ohio State, missing out a chance to beat them, missing out a chance to win the Big Ten East, missing out a chance to win the Big Ten title. You know, from at least from my audience that, uh, that calls into the show, that follows me on Twitter, uh, people that I re- – I think people are becoming disgruntled. I think there's a growing – segment of the fan base that is no longer 100 uh, percent in Jim's corner now that doesn't mean that they're out that doesn't mean that they're looking for him to get fired uh, but if if in 2000 you know the start of the 2015 season start of the 2016 season even the start of the 2017 season I would say a hundred percent of the fan base was all with Jim uh, that changed a little bit throughout the 2017 season um, but now after this 2018 season and losing to Ohio State again uh, you know, I, you're, you're nowhere near 100%. You might be at like 75%. Um, and if you were to go out there and, and lose again to Ohio State at home and lose again a Big Ten opportunity, I think you're going to see a lot of people that start questioning uh, just what this program is and, and whether or not Jim Harbaugh is ever going to lead them to the promised land. I don't think anybody will be, will be coming forward and going, well, it's time to get rid of this guy. But I do think you're going to have a lot of people say, it's just not what we thought we, we were getting. My guest today discussing uh, the status of Michigan football and what we looked like on Saturday is uh, inside the huddle on WTKA host Michael Spath. Michael, always a pleasure uh, to have you on the show. And I know our listeners love to listen to uh, Inside the Huddle, so keep up the good work. And the next time we talk to you, we'll probably be uh, talking about game week. So we look forward to that visit. I can't wait for that. Thanks so much, Mike. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, the number 21-ranked University of Michigan softball team closed out its weekend series against rival Ohio State with a doubleheader split, earning a 6-2 decision before dropping a 2-1 heartbreaker in eight innings on Saturday afternoon at Buckeye Field. The loss, U of M's first in Big Ten conference play, also snapped its 17-game winning streak. 
Head coach Carol Hutchins earned her 1,600th career win with the Wolverines' decision in the first half of that twin bill. This week, Michigan State will be here on Wednesday for just a single game. Then it's three on the road at Illinois this weekend. We are 29-11 and 11 overall, 11-1 and 1 in Big Ten play. Baseball lost two of three last weekend down in Columbus. We have four at home this week. Wednesday, a single game with Bowling Green. And then Northwestern comes in for a three-game set this weekend. We start the week with a 24-11 record overall, 5-3 in Big Ten action. Don't forget our free show app is available in the Google Play and iTunes stores. You can also hear us on iHeart, TuneIn, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you get the show from iTunes, please take just a minute to rate or comment on the show, and we thank you in advance for doing that. Next week, we wrap up the month of April and weekly programming for now. It's time to take a break and, you know, sort of slow down and enjoy some summer and some nice weather. As most of you know, from May to August, we are on twice a month as we again recharge our batteries and get ready for another very busy football season, which is going to be here soon enough. And this is pretty much uh, the way we've done it for the 10 years that we have been programming or on the air for you. We slow it down in May, June, and July. Next week, I hope to have Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports back so we can get updated on the recruiting scene and get his thoughts on the spring game, Josh Gaddis, and much more. That will do it for now, though. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a very blessed and happy Easter, everyone. Until next time, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!